Cool. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Episode 11. Thanks for joining us again. I'm your co-host, Austin Paz. I'm also a co-host. <laughs> My name is Billy O'Neill. A couple of co-hosts. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Hmm, last week was interesting. We had a very special guest last week. Just us. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't a special guest. Normally, every show we have a special guest. On this current, on the last show, previous show, there was no special guest. People liked it, though. Did they? Yeah. Good. I don't know if you read the, the YouTube comments and stuff like mm. that. People. I'm too self-conscious for those things. <laughs> I kind of like, Yeah, I'm scared. It. I'm like the, the guy that like opens the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Go back and yeah, I get scared. No, I get, I get excited to read them. Even the bad ones are good. Nice. One way or another. Well, it's cool because I'll, I'll hear the good feedback from you and then I'll okay. know it's okay to go I'll, in I'll there. filter it out. So then and like, then I'll go in there and I'll check it out and I know it's all good. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. Thanks for joining us on last week's episode and thanks for joining us on this week's episode. We have a very special guest this week. Very special guest. Super as always. special. Super special. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is our second yeah. international yeah. guest. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, yeah, we had to do a pre-recorded episode because as you as you guys know, we, we like to do it live. We like to involve everyone. Mm -hmm. But sometimes uh, schedules aren't permitting to be able to do it on Wednesday evenings all the right. time. You know, sometimes we have someone in town for a short period of time. And they can't make it that time. Mm -hmm. But we want to take the opportunity to have the guest on and uh, and have have your questions out there. So, like, again, we're sorry we can't do it live, but um, we do what we can. Pretend it's live. You can pretend. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Just pretend. Dedicate a certain time to it and watch at that time. But I can't miss it. It's yeah. live. And then just like send questions in the chat. They're not going to go anywhere. Yeah, just, just type Just them. comment them. Just, just comment them. Just comment the questions. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah. So as always, you know, our, our weekly spiel. Uh, I think everyone at this point who's listening probably <laughs> does this anyway, but here we go. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, it's Jump Street Podcast. Facebook, YouTube, uh, subscribe to our page. Go on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Give us a five-star review. Give us a comment. Every week we do a comment. Uh, the review of the week. This week. Who is it this week? Roll Maine. I'm guessing he skates in Maine, or maybe it's like Gucci Maine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like rolling Maine. I just found out who Gucci Maine was recently. Did you? Yeah. Oh, man. That's worse than me, man. You got to get better than that. <laughs> I thought it was a guy who owned Gucci. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Oh, man. That's bad. <laughs> okay. Roll Maine says, incredible right out the gate. Been blading since 92 and listened to tons of podcasts. Austin and Billy are legends and have the podcast format format down to a T. Great guests, great banter, super interesting nuggets of blading history, and even better, it's in video format. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maine. Thank, thank, thank you, Gucci Maine. Thank you, Gucci Maine. Thank you, Roll Maine. <laughs> no, give us a shout out on your next track. We really appreciate all that, and um, and uh, yeah, every week if you could uh, go on our thing and you know like, leave a comment, maybe you'll be on our iTunes review of the week and da -da -da. yeah so that'll be cool we also have we have patreon supporters also yes thank you everyone who supports us on patreon uh this week our new supporters are okay forgive me for this good luck <laughs> Ot Fathavong mm. it's a tough name how would you have said it hmm Ot Fathavong okay right? I put the wrong accent <laughs> nah. on it uh, Aaron Schultz and Jennifer Young thank you so much for your support and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters yes if you haven't check out our Patreon page check it out we have a link down below it's super interesting it's really fun <laughs> it's, it's really fun yeah. there's a lot going on down there it's a real hoot yeah. and we have our it's w a real party down <laughs> at the Patreon page we have our WTF of the week Oof. featuring Matt Chilvers 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 we, we could just call him Matt the bro Matt the bro yeah and it's an older clip but it's still super sick 
another. Yeah, it's super sick. I think all of our WTF should be just we don't know what they're called. It's like a they, double, don't have, they don't have names for them. What what would you call that trick? Like a double true fish Ali. to stale out? What is that? It's kind of like a unity though, but it's also like an X grind. Hmm. <laughs> Leave it in the comments down below. Yeah, what do you think this what, trick should be called? What do you think this is? I would I would say um, a Ali double cross topside. Mm. Stale out. Like double true fish, I think. I don't know. Double true That's fish. It's tough. I don't know. So hopefully you guys can help us with that. <laughs> if anyone has a name for this, please let us know. Yeah. But there you go. Matt Shilvers, uh, clip courtesy of London Rec Squad on Instagram. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. For Shout out. tagged us in that. Mm-hmm. And should we just get right down to business? Yeah. We're oh, business guys. Yeah, we are business guys. Mm-hmm. Not a businessman. I'm a businessman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> No, shout out um, Gucci Mane. A shout out Gucci Mane <laughs> and Roll Mane. So our special guest this week, very unique guy. He's uh, ha- involved in the sport a lot. He yes. owns a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. He fucking kills it on the blades. Mm-hmm. He's been around for a long ass time. Long time. He's living in Canada, but he's not Canadian. He's not Canadian. <laughs> so many aspects of the story. So many languages he speaks mm. too. It's crazy. So everybody, please welcome Leon. <laughs> Basin. <laughs> Basin? Basin? Basin. Okay. We All we do on this show is butcher people's ba- last names. Leon, thank you so much for coming on the show. Welcome. Thank, thank you, you for joining for us. Me. I always appreciate when people come just to be on our show. Yeah. No, it's huge. For no other reason than be in New York. I drove all the way here just for this. <laughs> yeah, you drove too. Even That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and since you came out here just for this, you actually have taken some of your time to do do other things like work with Mike Torres, right? That's right. Yeah. We've been trying to film for the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. uh, right after Woodward, but New York has been the highlight. So mm-hmm. we've got some stuff done in the past couple of days. Right. Yeah. What are you filming for? Are you allowed to disclose this or? We're not a hundred percent sure, but it's like <laughs> a wi- wizard skating project. Not, uh, it's both me and Mike. Um, yeah. Okay, so it's kind of on the content, on the, promotional right. content for Wizard. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. And it's filmed not in New York, right? Not it, just in New York, I mean. We've, we tried or, to film in Toronto for a little bit, but it's mostly going to be in New York. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And you were just at Woodward too. How was... You been to Woodward East before? No, that... First time? That was my first time. I drove through one time and met up with Cameron, mm-hmm. and he showed me the park. Uh, but that's what was the actual first skating experience. So he showed you Woodward, but you didn't skate it. We, we did <laughs> what skate. <a> <laughs> I was driving through with my girlfriend, so okay. we maybe spent half hour in there. Hmm. Jeez. Uh, but this time was really fun <clears throat> actually being a camper and yeah. kind of getting that whole experience was really, really neat. That is cool. Yeah, it was cool that a lot of people got to have their first experience during that, that Very, little weekend. Mm-hmm. And everyone went crazy. It was yeah. good times. That is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was my first time there too. Yeah. on that trip that's crazy too yeah <laughs> i gotta ask you leon because um i think you guys have a bit more of a of a history like i i'm just like uh learning learning much about you now like for example you were talking out there you say you were born in russia i didn't even know that so like where are you from how did you end up in canada and how did you get into skating if you don't mind just a intro uh, yeah quick intro yeah so born in russia mm-hmm. and then my parents moved to israel when i was seven years old mm-hmm uh started skating in israel when i was 12 around 95 kind wow. of thing. and then moved to canada in 2000 2001 maybe okay and 
my parents moved to Toronto and then I moved to BC to Vancouver mm-hmm. and living there and well, that's a big move. traveling coast to coast in Canada mm-hmm. yeah and so you started skating in Israel right yeah and I just found out recently that you were actually in hoax four three what was the, it four, four? Uh, four. monkeys no way yeah, yeah. Brass monkeys <laughs> I was gonna ask about that the um if you were skated with Arlo and those guys yeah, yeah. they uh it was a week uh they came for a contest so they were the judges, Arla and Rollinson. Mm-hmm. And that was that park with the blue ramps that's in the video? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> like a wooden park. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they they toured around and I skipped school for a couple of days just <laughs> to make sure I'm there. That's sick. That's awesome. Yeah. So you skated like, you got to skate street with them? Yeah, they, they did. So they stayed in Tel Aviv, which is the main city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one day they, they did a trip to Jerusalem because Arlo wanted to get some shots by kind of more historic places. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the day I had to skip school. And, and <laughs> totally. yeah, it's kind of quick, right? It's not like far Jerusalem. Yeah, the whole country is really small. So yeah. it was a two hour drive. Yeah, yeah. But I was maybe 14 or 15 at the time. So mm-hmm. it seemed like a trip. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's crazy. That's super sick. One of your first experiences, especially being in Israel, like a country, you know, like in America where you get to meet Arlo, uh, Arlo and Rollingson yeah. and skate street with them too, not yeah, just like a contest. That was, That's what I was curious about. I was like, I wonder if you skate a street with them or it was just like a contest thing. It, it started as a contest and then they wanted like some of the guys to be in the, in the footage and mm-hmm. I was one of the better skaters so they kind of <laughs> asked to bring me along and it was fun. Sick. Yeah. That's sick. Did that like change like, your aspect on skating at the time? Uh yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I was really into skating back then, mm-hmm. as everyone else. But maybe long term, it did have some impact. Mm. Kind of keep skating when I moved to Canada and not not give it up. Because I think when I first moved to Canada, maybe there was, I didn't have a crew. So it was a little bit of a, right. you know, I could go two ways. Maybe skate less or maybe find some skaters and keep skating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just found skaters, kept skating, couldn't couldn't let it go. And this is in Toronto? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you found a little crew out there? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Actually, the name of the crew was, like when we formed it, was Task. So that's where the whole Task came from. That's where Shop Task came from? So it was a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Savage. He was the first guy I met. And uh, so he had an older crew that was called Task. and But all his friends stopped skating. So he said, okay, let's kind of rebrand that <laughs> that crew and start the new crew called Task. Oh, that's crazy. So that's the... And ShopTask, you own ShopTask? Yeah. And there's multiple locations of ShopTask, right? That's right. Are they are those like franchises or you just own them all? Like, how does that work? So the US location is actually owned by Brian Long, who is a good friend. Um, but the Canadian shops are owned by me. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's sick. It's like... Uh, it's we keep talking about people like starting you know skate camps and stuff like that but shops are a huge part of growing you know the sport and the culture too so people could physically experience you know all these new things uh, most of us don't even have skate shops like to go into or stuff like that so it's crazy it's cool that you have skate shops like you're, you're still doing that part because it's a huge part of our industry that oh, we, yeah. has fell off over the years <laughs> yeah and like in new york we can't go to any skate shops or anything like that but the whole experience of being being able to go to a skate shop, trying on skates, or seeing the new products that come out with your own eyes is, is something different. It's also like it centralizes kind of your city or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So the whole crew and community and 
It creates a hub. Yeah, it's like a hub. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember we used to have that back in the day when we had like year in a day. It was uh, yeah. Everyone used to like meet at the skate shop and do whatever and branch off from there. Or you would just yeah. meet new people at that at the skate shop. And it's it's cool to see that you're still you still have your feet in there. Trying, yeah. As long the way I look at it, as long as we stay open, mm-hmm. I think that's a. But you I do. Would, it's not just like skating, right? It's like skiing and stuff too. Or no, we we do only skating. Oh, okay. We we did try in the past to go do something else in the winter because canada is right cold in yeah, the winter it snows so. there right yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh so we did try to do some ski ski boards like the short skis mm-hmm. right as a kind of crossover for skaters maybe yeah uh but then we realized that the amount of time that we're in- investing in this other industry we could be putting into skating right. mm-hmm. even if we're not making a lot of money in the winter uh it's still more beneficial for us to work on the website or go skate and film videos and mm-hmm. whatever we can can do that would contribute to the scene yeah cool. he's taking away time from the the main goal exactly yeah so see that and then at the end of the season you you bring a bunch of product you don't really fully sell it because you're not fully in that industry and then you're left with extra stock and yeah just too much work yeah it's a pain yeah i can see that and very little return i would say mm-hmm you're saying overall, just the skate shop in general, very little return? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was going to ask about that, how, like, not to get, like, too into it, but, like, how successful the skate shops are that you're willing to keep them around because most people seem to just close them. Yeah. But if you, like, have the heart to do it or you're actually, it is some way, like, beneficial financially or whatever it may be. Um, well, it's it's crucial for kind of the next steps that I would like to work on. So making our own products or organizing kind of getting the community together mm-hmm. um, the shop is kind of like the first the first stage yeah so i kind of look at the shops now as as long as they're around we can um, have a healthier community and then potentially make money from making our own products or mm-hmm. right different collaborations and things like that that's not it's not the end goal it's just it's no. just a, yep and if someone else was running shops, if shops wasn't such a kind of rare thing, then maybe I wouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like we have to do it at the moment. And there's a lot of people that are happy because we're there. Of course, I'm sure there are. Yeah. So just kind of keeping it around as long as we can. I think that's a, a great service. Mm-hmm. Skate shops are like one of those those places where... They're kind of like regional. It's kind of like a like how every state has their own team, like how New York yeah. has the Yankees or San Francisco the Giants, stuff like that. Like you're you're passionate about the shop in like your area, so like East Coast skaters always like lean towards you know the East Coast shops, whatever it is. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that region is more like shop task, and everyone's like, yeah, let's go, <laughs> let's yeah. go, Leon shop task. Yeah. So that's how I always looked at skate shops. They're more like a, unless you're like a roller warehouse or something like that, but you're more just like. All, all the all the homies in the area support you so much, mm-hmm. and because like you said it's like a take like a home base kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Especially we started as just an aggressive shop, so it was really just. How getting, long ago did you guys start? How long has it's been? It's been a while now, right? Two thousand and six, <sighs> and it started because there was a shop in Toronto at the time, uh, Decal Shop, mm-hmm. uh, and then but there wasn't many options or there wasn't many kind of products and it was more for the necessity of oh like i want to have i don't know eulogy wheels or something like this that mm-hmm. wasn't maybe available at the time or yeah more clothing options or usd skates or, yeah so 
it was more to get products for myself and then pretty much selling it out of the car to friends that I was skating with. Dang. Yeah, I heard you were selling out of your car. Yeah. That, <laughs> like off the street. Like I, I know a guy who knows a guy pulls up in his car yeah, and yeah, just lifts exactly. open the trunk of what you got. <laughs> but it made a lot of sense because, yeah, paying for an actual location, at least at the first stages, is ridiculous. Yeah. And especially targeting the aggressive skaters, I thought makes more sense to come to them instead of me being stuck in a store, not skating and waiting for people to come to me. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I can be skating all day, filming, hanging out with friends, and selling products, mm-hmm. which kind of made sense. Right. But I still had a job at the time, and it wasn't like my full income. But slowly started the website, and it kind of started making sense to focus on that. So now, is it like your full, I guess, your full income is just everything you have involved in skating? Yeah. Okay, cool. So like Shop Test was your first endeavor in knowing a business in skating? Yeah. And then what came after that? Um, Because you own so many, like, as as of now, you own so many different companies. It's not just, like, one thing. So, like, what, you you started off with a skate shop. What came next? So, I guess the the Intuition Project came next, which isn't actually, like, my company. Mm. But that happened because we did sell ski boots for a little bit. Uh, It was full tilt ski boots, and they all came with uh, Intuition liners. And just seeing the customer response or people that were really loyal to that brand coming to the shop and buying six, five, six hundred dollar boots just because they're so comfortable kind of triggered something. And I said, this could work in skating. I think that the consumer would pay an extra hundred or two hundred bucks for like a significant difference in comfort. Right. And Intuition is a local company. They're based out of Vancouver. So I just showed up and said, I sell, sell boots with your liners and wanted to try to kind of get more information, maybe make some promotional video of them. And they're a really nice family run business and they're, they are very welcoming. Um, and at the time, I guess trust liners were making the only kind of high end liner. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of brought all the skates to them like after a couple of meetings and just to see what we can do together in the skate world. And for them, it was kind of easy choice because they they make most of their income from the winter sports. So oh, yeah. they were happy to try something. Right. right. They do make water ski liners. Um, so that was kind of the, I guess, the, 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 the direction. The middle way that you yeah. can kind of get in there. Yeah. So just seeing all the different liners and then taking the water ski liner which is funny because a lot of the water ski boots are based on uh like old plastic usd shells or random mm. things like that that's funny so really? that so the actual shape of the liner was very similar to that's crazy skate liner that's crazy so i took the liner um tried it in some skates and it felt like a little too roomy at first so i kind of moved on from this idea um but a, a little bit later realizing okay skates could be a lot tighter because when i put the liner that's a lot thinner in a regular skate you lose that connectivity yeah, to yeah. the skate so later i got the smaller booth and it kind of clicked okay let's try this liner in the booth that's really tight and see how kind of how little foam can you have and still feel comfortable um 
yeah, the first project with Intuition, I was thinking more along the lines of making like a sock, almost like something between a sock and a liner. <laughs> Super thin. Super mm. thin, because I thought that like their liners are 200 bucks, um, would be too much for the skate industry. Right. So I was kind of leaning in somewhere in between, like not really a liner. And I also saw a lot of skates were going in the USD carbon kind of direction mm -hmm. where the liner is built in. Mm -hmm especially all the higher-end skates from Seba. Right. Uh, so I thought it would be a good solution if someone buys a high-end skate and over time the foam gets thinner and then you can put this kind of between a liner and a sock that would improve that <laughs> thing. So yeah, the first project was way off. Like I, I have some <laughs> random samples. I was going to ask if you had like some random samples yeah, like that. Yeah, I do. I do. I keep all my samples yeah. or kind of give it to friends. But... Um, but yeah, and then we just decided to try to make a liner um, and see how it would work. And that worked really well and took a while to get people kind of into it. Really? Uh, just because of the price point. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only reason why. Yeah, so it's been maybe five years, but... Why are they so expensive? Is it just because the company that, like Intuition in general, are they expensive in the ski world also? Or it's just the price of the quality of products, they, like um, material they use? So it's a, it's an expensive foam. Like I guess all their products are priced pretty high. Um, like in the ski world, are Intuition liners more than other company? They're they're about the same. Yeah. Well, they're I don't know how many aftermarket liners there are in skiing. I'm sure there's a couple, but it's mostly companies that make liners for their boots. Um, so I think Intuition was the first one to do this. Yeah, aftermarket mm -hmm. liner. Um, yeah, the reason they're expensive, premium quality products, premium quality. Mm -hmm. And you could tell when you have, you know, when you have intuition liners that it is different from, you know, anything else that we're used to. Yeah. And my, my thinking was always kind of, I don't think, I guess, I guess what I kind of, how I see skating is products used to be expensive and then skating took a hit and people weren't buying as much product mm -hmm. so, so all they the got cheaper so the company's just okay well what can we do to bring them back so right. the price kept going down with the quality with the quality mm -hmm. and then i think the consumer who is not a skater looking at the product as like a joke mm -hmm. like a toy like if i want to get into sport uh, a different sport yeah and the entry price point is like 200 yeah exactly bucks, yeah. right it's kind of like whatever mm -hmm. yeah uh so i always looked at skating as First of all, it's such a small market. So if you want to survive, even though you might be able to provide it for a lower price, uh, but you still, I don't think that's the problem why people are not getting into skating. It's not to make it cheaper. Um, so I always thought if, we, if the prices are a little higher, that would give more room for companies to make better products. Yeah. Instead of kind of trying to always stay in this price point mm -hmm. which is what all the big companies are doing mm -hmm. but there's space for both things i think and maybe i i noticed that there is a void as a store owner to have liners for 200 bucks um so i felt if i had this product i know i can sell it because not everyone that comes into the store is like a 
19 year old skater mm-hmm. that right. can't afford it mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that that are getting older that have like higher demands now too mm-hmm. like i could yeah. I, i would happily do it if it would last and it feels good you know exactly yeah the product over time will just kind of do is like that we don't have a team or anything like this with intuition uh but it's just people just to be clear just for everyone else it's not intuition skate there's a yeah, difference yeah, here yeah. okay yeah. so just coincidence that the exactly. company have, happened to go with right. the yeah. same name i just yeah. don't i just don't want the people watching <laughs> to be like not mickey intuition no these are two different companies yeah okay which felt kind of strange at first to mm-hmm. bring this product into right. the industry <laughs> um but i think matt mickey not directly from him but someone told me that he's all like he has no problem with of course it it's matt yeah it's me it's yeah. yeah he doesn't care <laughs> but he also says a lot of people come to him because they associate the line they think that he store. carries them yeah. yeah and he does and i think oh, he does pretty well with them that's really cool but that's yeah. what we were, we were talking about like the price point uh, of certain products And I had a situation the other week where we were skating that school that Frank was at Zesta Topsail. Mm-hmm. And we were skating. And uh, I was with Justin Eisinger. It was just me and him and, and the photographer. But um, there was a guy there with his daughter. And he, long story short, he, he started, he's like, as a fellow blader, I want to watch you do this. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And you know, he was just watching us skate. Afterwards, he was like, oh, I grew up skating like the 90s, whatever, in Brooklyn. And it turns out he knew like a bunch of people that we knew. And he, you could tell he got so excited by like, speaking with us. Like he was with mm-hmm. his daughter. His daughter was like, I want to go home. He's like, no, I'm hanging out. Like I'm, I'm talking skating. And then after we were done, I was talking with Justin about it. And he was like, that guy's 100% buying skates this week. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I, that'd be cool. I hope he does, you know? And then sure enough, later that night, he messaged, he found me, hung me down, found my email, emailed me. And I was like, hey, there's a video that my friend posted, whatever. He's like, yo, I want to skate, whatever. And I was like, you were right. Like he's so hyped on skating. Mm-hmm. But we're we're so focused on you know what like the next generation is and we need those new kids you mm-hmm. know whatever it may be but it's the older guys who are keeping the industry kind of alive now mm-hmm. because now we're all grown up money to invest yeah we're, we're all grown yeah, up we're all adults we have the money to invest in this now yeah. we're not like you said we're not like 15 18 year old kids who have no jobs who can't mm-hmm. afford to buy new skates can't afford 200 liners but now everybody's older and the fact that you have a liner that's premium quality it'll like one of the biggest complaints about older bladers is probably that skates are, aren't comfortable, exactly, right? They don't yeah. fit your feet right. So to pay $200 for a skate that will work on your feet, mm-hmm. that's like not a big issue, I feel like, you know? Yeah. I agree, yeah. Um, I, I agree 100%. Well, um, one thing I wanted to kind of pick your brain about since we have you here is even, you know, even from this, what we've spoken about now and I think everyone from the outside knows from how you approach skating that you look at things very outside of the box. And even even just t- talking to you now about you s- you see a problem or a need for something that's lacking in blading and you want to fill that void or create something. Uh, is, is that something like a way you've approached like your way of thinking your whole life? Or is this something that now since you've been a shop owner, you're like trying to figure out how to fill that void or how to because hmm. it's a it's a very um it seems like your approach is very unique not only in, in skating but hmm. in in how you uh, make products or whatever the case yeah i'm i never thought about it outside hmm. of skating but maybe it comes from uh let's say i know i'm i'm not as good of a skater as yourself for example so i'm not <laughs> going to try to compete on on that level Or I guess I see skating as maybe you, you inspire people to kind of push them in a certain direction. So, yeah, so when I, maybe when I don't see a success path in one way, 
I would say, okay, maybe I can try something, almost creating a different category mm, totally. to, to go there. Um, it's almost like, you know, there's people that are doing certain things so well, then let them keep doing it and then move on and try to find your own little thing that you can do well. Right. And then just by putting the time and effort into it, slowly it will... Become its own thing and grow yeah. legs and start mm-hmm. taking walking, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, yeah, I do look at a lot of things in life this way where the most kind of obvious path seems to be the most difficult. Hmm. So maybe it's some laziness in a way. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know, this would be too tough. So let's try to make it this way. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, for example, like you, if I'm not mistaken, you invented the wizard frame, right? You created that? Yep. Yeah. Um, what was the inspiration for that? Because I know I've, I've at least, it seems like you've created like a new thing mm-hmm. for skating and, and you know, Mike's take Mike Torres is taken to it. I see him out there and I see a few other people and it's, it's really cool. And it's like completely a, a completely new landscape that it opens the doors to. And, you know, so where did that come from that idea? Um, so it kind of evolved over time, but it, and I think it's still evolving, so we're constantly trying to figure out what it is or what can you do with it. Mm-hmm. But it started, so like I said, at first we were just an aggressive shop, and then we opened, so as an aggressive shop, we just had an online store, and then we opened our first retail store in Vancouver. Um, and a lot of people were asking for regular recreational skates. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, you can go to a big sports store like in Canada, it's called Sport Check. You guys have Big Five. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, if you want recreational skates, you can just go there. Why would I even bother mm-hmm. competing with those stores? But a lot of skaters would come and ask for wheels and bearings and... Um, rec bladers, you mean? Rec bladers, mm-hmm. exactly. Outside of kind of my community. So that kind of made sense to just have a couple options for them. Because I... Just from communicating with them, I realized they're into skating just the way I am, mm-hmm. just in a slightly different field. They're older and they can't do jumps and stuff like that. Um, so it just made sense to service this community if I have a store. Um, so the first year, I think we ordered something like really small, like maybe $10,000 um, of rec skates for the first summer. And I think that summer we sold sold out and reordered maybe about 50 grand. Oh, damn. Wow. Which is like, to make profit from this, it's, it sounds great, but you buy it, you sell it. Of course. Yeah, it you just know. helps you pay the, keep the lights on and stuff yeah. and everything. Yep. But just kind of realizing $10,000 seemed like a huge risk at the moment, right. at the time. And then going through $50,000 in one season, Yeah, just like instantly... It's like, oh, there's a market here. Exactly. Like, people actually want it, Mm -hmm. which I didn't realize before opening the store. And I guess the big stores also, they were noticing a decrease over the years. (laughs) So Hmm. they were slowing down. Wow. Like, exactly the perfect time. We were kind of, oh, we can take on all this extra business. Mm -hmm. So their inventory was getting lower. They were getting carrying less and less. Yeah, exactly. Filling that void. Mm -hmm. And... um, so right away, like the next season, we opened a store in Toronto, and then we kind of went wild. We we opened a store in Montreal <laughs> and um, Calgary and Seattle. So like at one point we had I didn't even know that. Yeah, so the Montreal store closed. It was too much for us to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we kind of like slimmed down a little bit and opened better shops and figured out the business model a little better and what kind of locations we're looking for and like our spaces always have like a 16 feet ceiling to have skates stocked up to the, as high <laughs> as possible so we figured out what works in terms of paying for square footage and how much we can afford so um probably learned a lot in that whole process oh yeah still yeah. every day it's just like yeah always learning but um and so how to like the rec thing transition into oh, like yeah. the wizard so so after selling those kind of cheaper skates um i realized that there's a market for slightly better recreational skates because the way i thought of recreational and the way companies think of recreational is the cheaper option basically um and i kind of looked at it as that's actually most of the people that come into the store are recreational so so i got into i started buying seba skates because they were the one of the only options with a more expensive product and i didn't even know what i'm getting into just wanted to see um yeah like having higher price point products in the store and seeing how they sell and at first we were selling uh rollerblade has more of a speed skate categories with bigger wheels lower cuffs so i started bringing more of those skates and selling them but then slowly seeing kind of the customers coming back and giving me feedback saying those wheels are too big the cuff is not supportive enough and mm. can't like really use them the same way i use my lightning trs or mm. whatever so that then with seba having a hard boot and bigger wheels made a lot of sense because then you don't need to be a speed skater you can just be a recreational skater and you'll have the right support and you'll be able to control the skates pretty well and the price point is higher so the store can actually survive or make a profit and so yeah through seba i started kind of i guess taking notes of like what size wheels people are buying or and i guess constantly searching for that happy medium mm -hmm. like what wheel size do i recommend for the 80 percent of the people that walk into my store um and my it was always always between 80 and 84 millimeter wheels i felt when i give people let's say 90 millimeter wheels they couldn't control it well in the store and then for a bigger guy if i give him 80 millimeter wheels if the wheels are shorter than the kind of his foot length mm -hmm. then i felt like that would be a little unsafe outdoors so um i would recommend 80 millimeter wheels to smaller sizes let's say yeah like a lot of the ladies would be on 80s and then the guys would be on 84 but then myself i was using 90s and just from experimenting with different sizes and that felt like a perfect medium you know i can go fast i can gives me good shock absorption but as a good skater i can still control them really well like i didn't have issue of turning and also a decent skater within a couple of days would wear out their wheels to a point where they can turn really well compared to a complete beginner walking into a store putting on 90s without right. without the right boot mm -hmm. and they just can't move mm -hmm. so i realized that what like what the customer is looking for and how they're experiencing skating in kind of practical setting is different than the options that 
are available in a way. So my thought was I need to, the reason why I like the 90s is because it gives you this nice stable base. Um, so I thought that 90 would be that perfect happy medium that can cover all sizes. Um, but if we can have those 90s slightly rockered to make it a little easier for the kind of breaking in period. Um, and at the same time, we were always rotating wheels on skates. That's part of the service that we provide. And just rotating wheels on skates, I would always notice that it's the exact same pattern where your outer wheels wear out first, uh, your inner wheels wear out less. And then because you're mostly skating forward, the front of the skate the wears out mm -hmm. more than the back. Yeah. So it just kind of made sense. How would and your skates, once you start wearing out the wheels, they feel perfect. You can turn, you can do everything. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to put brand new wheels and have them like in that perfect setup with the thought, like not to do any tricks with it, just literally Home just to give it to, kinda. yeah, just to, to have the most simple experience of skating. Um, so that, that was kind of the idea for the, for the wizards, which wasn't supposed to be a big departure from the normal frames mm -hmm. normal rack or yeah just the yeah. Co any comparable 90 millimeter wheels right. so when i i kind of pitched the idea to a few people i remember kind of no mentioning it to like seba mentioning it to peter from adapt uh kind of saying i think you guys should make something like this and it kind of made sense but you know how much of a difference would it really make like a, that right. slight rocker and would the consumer really be interested in it so after realizing that no one is going to make it i had luckily i had kind of the perfect connection fall in my fall in my way um this guy dan he was sharing a warehouse with naomi who was the u.s seba distributor uh, and he makes parts for cars and like his whole family has been in the machining business for a long time and he's a really good quad skater and he made his own trucks for quad skates and he makes his own wheels so a really smart guy part of the community um and i would see him every time i would go to the states and like do kind of work with Naomi in the warehouse. So I kind of saw his workshop slowly growing and um and one day I just asked him kind of what what would it take to make a frame that would be this way and this way. And it was pretty funny cuz I I think I owed Naomi money at the time. And it was he said it's going to cost 3 grand to make like the first prototype. So we'll go through a few Mm -hmm. a few prototypes figure out the rockering that you want this and this it's going to take him like a week or two to like program everything and i asked naomi i'm like hey is it cool like i know i owe you money but is it cool <laughs> if i put this money towards this and naomi is really passionate about skating she was a kind of world famous slalom skater hmm. so she was like yeah that's fair just hmm. i think that would work that so she kind of gave me gave me the okay and then then was great to work with and we made a few prototypes and figured out the rocker um yeah so that's kind of how it started and that was 2014 that we made Damn, the, was that long the ago, first right? wizards yeah it's weird jeez i only know because we have the 
the kind of the marking of the date on the frame so right after a couple of years i'd be like 2014 <laughs> yeah no time way. flies yeah it's, it's cool that you got to you were lucky enough to have a skate shop where you got direct pretty much direct feedback mm-hmm. from all these customers about yeah. how their skates worn down and you just use that and just gear started moving your head like i could just fix all this myself you know yeah like it was too obvious so you, you, you made it did you make the frames for those kind of like for like the customer base not just for yourself into with the idea to have like a new style of skating yeah exactly so at first it was completely not selfish it was just like hey let's see what how like how can how can we bring skating back to life like and i think the equipment was really important the the comfort of the liners and the um just in general like how easy it would be for the for the user to adapt to this equipment and so i um yeah so it wasn't designed for us kind of thing right and that was a big decision when i had to decide if we're going to make it ufs or non-ufs because most of the products so at the time i was already the canadian seba distributor and seba didn't have any ufs boots um so the most obvious choice was to not make it ufs to have it raised heel and that was like a big dilemma and i remember talking with peter about it for quite a while from adapt deciding like what's the perfect skate does it need to have a heel rise or not so at the end i decided to go with ufs because even though it doesn't make any sense because ufs was only for aggressive skaters and but it made sense because ufs is the seem like the most modern system like that's the last thing that came out in terms of a standard yeah um salomon made it kind of put it in action and they, everyone has only great things to say about salomon so i kind of look at it okay those guys know what they're doing they and i i didn't it didn't seem like ufs is ever gonna go away if it's been around since yeah. 2001 or whatever it is and the other reason in terms of function you're actually closer to the ground with ufs versus a heel raised boot you're just adding extra height mm. so i feel like you're on stilts up there if you got if you're too mm-hmm. high exactly yeah. so it was how can we make and the whole concept of the wizard frames is the natural rocker which is basically the way your wheels would wear out and what happens to your wheels as you skate forward you're slowly creating like a forward lean from your wheels wearing, wearing out. out yeah um so essentially the wizard frame once we figured everything out has a slight um kind of rise in the back Hmm. even though it's ufs but it's making a ufs boot that's what naomi said when i was kind of trying to like explain what i'm doing it's like oh so you're basically taking a ufs boot and making it feel like a non-ufs boot like creating i didn't know that heel rise uh but it's very subtle it's not like as high Mm. as kind of the standard heel raised yeah it's not like a rossi's boot or something like that yeah and all their boots are coming from ice skating so to me it just seemed why am i like kind of why are we still working on this kind of old model right and the ufs seemed very practical in terms of um um kind of how you can change parts really convenience between different you have a different boot and still the same frame if you like that exactly and i felt like the the other option was 165 which is kind of universal but 
not really like you don't most consumers don't realize that they can put a rollerblade frame on a seba boot or vice versa so they have their own like kind of ufs system with the raised heel yeah thing exactly. i never knew that so there it's 165 that's the distance between the two mounting points um and then for speed skating they use 195 so it's a little longer and the screws are in the same spot though yeah oh, okay yeah um so for so aggressive it's like their ufs for their own little niche exactly yeah. they just figure out what what's the distance that mm -hmm. works but it, it's never really been promoted as there's not as much emphasis on the Uf, ufs thing exactly yeah. But yeah, for UFS, I decided, and the main reason was, I was like, okay, I'm making this product for kind of like not my people, mm -hmm. but I still want to have like a little mark of, of my uh, people of on my it. People. Yeah, yeah. And if I'm going to start investing money and time into like developing products, I want to develop this UFS mm -hmm. uh, kind of category. And just believing like I knew that Seba is going to have a UFS boot, uh, just being kind of a little... Uh, being their distributor so i had some insight mm -hmm. so i was like okay like i think that i'll go this way i'll go with a ufs mm -hmm. and it was funny because uh, at the same time peter decided or peter from adapt he made his first big wheel skate which wasn't ufs mm. so he decided that um yeah I, yeah peter is great like he makes amazing products so it was just like i'm like i'm gonna go this way he's gonna go this mm. way it worked out <laughs> perfect yeah <laughs> Um, and when you made the the frames rocket a certain way, you started riding them. Did that change kind of your style of skating in a way, or was it? Did it kind of go hand in hand with your with your skating start uh, like style started to change already, or like how did that? So before we made this, we were skating like me and the mushroom blading boys, Todd and Joey. Mm -hmm. So when I started distributing Seba, they only had the FR skates, which had eighty millimeter wheels. And they made a sole plate for it, like an aftermarket sole plate for a raised heel boot. It was really difficult to put on. Um, but it was a way to use big wheels and still do some soles and kind of mm -hmm. have fun in the skate park. Uh, so, and Seba used to make, or they still do rockered frames. So they come where the wheels are actually all rockered. You can't have it flat. Mm -hmm. So that was a slalom skate. So we basically took a slalom frame mixed it with a free ride boot and put a sole plate on it and put intuition liners inside hmm. and that was like when we filmed big wheels one and kind of the beginning of big wheel mushroom blading stuff it was on those fr seba intuition rockered 80 and uh i guess um it, it was funny because when i made the wizard frames todd and joey were so into the that fr setup mm -hmm. that they wouldn't even <laughs> they didn't try the wizards they didn't want to start <laughs> filming on this because we we're in the process of filming for big wheels too and they're like no i'm really comfortable with this boot it's like mm -hmm. i'm on to something <laughs> and i was like that's cool kind of like so big wheels too it's kind of interesting just in terms of technology development um oh the other reason they didn't want to skate the wizards because there was no boot that could fit intuition liners hmm. so they were really into well they're enjoying the intuition liners and at that point Seba released the cjs that were had a built-in liner so i started using those skates with the wizard frames sorry it might be all confusing no here, no no this, the cjs <laughs> with the with the wizard frames no yeah, intuition yeah, liners yeah. 
and then there was a soul plate so it's kind of that was the um yeah that was the direction i started going and then my liner started ripping and i was like perfect experiment <laughs> let's gut this out and see what happens and then when i put the intuition liner in it realizing holy fuck like this is the best boot really yeah it was like carbon like that kind of made perfect sense because yeah. You have a really stiff boot, but you need something, you need really high quality liner to not experience the pain from the, from that carbon. Mm -hmm. And with the bigger wheels, yeah. you really need that support. You were like, whoa, you, I found it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I remember it was like in the process of filming for big wheels too. Yeah. And it was like, that's it. My foot fit in. And this whole section was technically like my section in big wheels too was the first ever kind of appearance of the wizard frames mm -hmm. and even in some shots you can see one skate had intuition liners and the other one didn't <laughs> so it was like That's a funny. weird kind of yeah, like, like the, transition in the middle of the experiment everything yeah yeah now, now let me ask because um you, you start obviously started with aggressive mm -hmm. and you kind of open up this whole door and i'm sure you've you know ha heard a bunch of opinions that range like uh people i'm sure who are like really supportive of this people who are more mm -hmm. purists who are like oh no it's aggressive only or as mike torres says core bladers you know it's yeah. the, the people who um don't really want to go over to wreck and uh stay more with the purest aggressive now for you well first of all i kind of want to hear the feedback that you've got from that but also like was it was it a natural transition you going from like being a like a pure aggressive guy to kind of the the path you've naturally gone on or or is it like because because it, it seems like a very natural transition for you but i don't know if you started aggressive was it was it like a conscious decision or was it uh just yeah naturally happened hmm. um even w like my last kind of i still skate aggressive like i still have a lot of fun with it mm -hmm. i um let I guess that I was even towards the end of my kind of like aggressive like core time. Core blader. I, core <laughs> blader. I started venturing into like using my hands and was really inspired by Matthew Ledoux. Oh and yeah. So yeah, so I was already within aggressive trying to kind of move away from mm -hmm. the traditional skating. Maybe again in that same way that mm -hmm. I just I didn't feel like I can put an impressive edit like some skaters. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, it just made you sense. You wanted to so. challenge your mind instead of challenging your physical capabilities. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was just a natural progression from there. Like, okay, what else can we do? How can the equipment change? But yeah, maybe having the store and interacting with people that are not aggressive skaters, I started kind of seeing that crossover where some people where it's too much of a leap going from recreational mm -hmm. to aggressive, right. where some people would come into the store, would seem like healthy, fit. I'm like, yeah. You, and, and they would say, I want to go and do some jumps and not fully aggressive. So I felt like there's this happy medium of right. people that are... Aggressive would probably be intimidating looking from the <laughs> yeah, outside. You know? yeah. yeah. And we're not very welcoming also, like even though we say we are. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's tough. Like... For it to be a beginner skater to get to a point in aggressive where you can kind of be respected by an OG, yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, huh? Like I can't. We make it tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're so good, and like we, the tricks are so complex now. 
and it's not just doing the trick there's so much to it yeah do we come off as elitists do you think to other people are there like recreational skaters have you heard people say that maybe maybe not like but we're just, I, we're I just think, not welcoming i think the personalities are great mm-hmm. like we're all because we have such small numbers so we're always yeah, welcome yeah. come and join us and come mm-hmm. skate aggressive but for people to even like drop into a ramp is such a huge. huge challenge yeah. so and then as aggressive skaters we would tell them oh yeah get a pair of usds or get this or that where with those skates they wouldn't have any fun the skates became so specialized so maybe mm-hmm. when we got into skating everyone gets lightning trs mm-hmm. or the tarmac C's or whatever mm-hmm. yeah and you can still have a pretty enjoyable experience skating around but you have those cool skates that can also do those fun, yeah. fun yeah. tricks but as skating became kind of went in all those different directions speed skates became huge wheels low cuffs aggressive skates became the smallest wheels you like mm-hmm. freestyle frames and things like that mm-hmm. so it made it way more difficult to experience kind of a good basic, skate yeah the exactly. basic yeah. so you think wizard frames could bridge the gap between rec blading and aggressive skating that, if it's not doing it at the moment that's my goal it's to okay. have that happy i never looked at it that way that's that's it seems like it's really important to our industry to have something like that i yeah i think so it's uh yeah because people coming in there's so many skates they can choose so that if if your friend is speed skating and doing marathons he'll put you onto the skate that will be good for marathons but then you would feel like you can break your ankle when you go on the streets or so i'm just trying to find kind of create that average consumer and figure out the average product that would work for them but you could also but it's so the wizards are weird because they're not specialized for anything Mm -hmm. Um, so if you want to do hockey, a hockey skate would do a better job. If you want to do speed, speed skate would do a better job. It's this kind of the most non-specialized product that can give you just enough of everything. Of everything. Yeah. yeah, it's a good way That's to look really at good it. Idea. And I, I recently saw you were talking about Big Wheels Two before. Mm-hmm. I recently saw your Big Wheels Two section for the first time. And I feel like I can say that's one of my favorite, se- I don't know if you've ever seen it, I don't, it's one of my favorite sections ever in skating. Oh. And <laughs> and it's like, how would you even describe, like you could tell how your skating is kind of a s- perfect gap between aggressive skating and like rec blading and kind of like, I don't know, freestyle blading if you want to call mm-hmm. it something like that. Like how do you, how would you even explain that style of skating to somebody? Because you're not a rec blader, and yeah. I wouldn't. Would you really call that like a aggressive skating? You're not. You didn't really grind much. You did like one or two. Wizard grinds. skating. Yeah. Is, it, is, it, is <laughs> wizard is wizard skating like a terminology, or is it like how do you explain that to people who don't know it? Yeah, it, it's really tough because. Uh, <laughs> well, in in the big wheels too, it was more aggressive, and I think over time I, constantly struggling with. Okay, the frames are not designed for this. Mm-hmm. The frames are actually designed for the average Joe. So what do I do? Just make kind of boring skate edits of someone cruising along mm-hmm. along the water. Mm-hmm. So, but Mike has been kind of like a huge help, or like the people around me slowly guiding me into yeah. finding how to promote this product. And but it's constantly going from aggressive and departing from aggressive into this yeah yeah less categorized. No, that's that, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know. Like it seems from what I'm gathering that. It wasn't intentional, but it it seems like you've inadvertently created 
this new thing that mm-hmm. you and Mike are doing because it makes things it's like certain ways you can control the skates like you can't do them on aggressive like you could only do it on those like when I was showing uh, my girlfriend the intro the the little promo that we have on the, on the jump street and like you're like running up the rail mm-hmm. like you know she was like whoa like it, it, it's a it's a complete it's some it's yeah it seems like aggressive in other skates but a new mm-hmm. category of aggressive that's what i'm saying it's you like, know it's, like it's not wreck yeah like it's if it's, you showed if you showed a, a rec player like something that like yeah, rec is just it showed him your like ssm section and it showed like one of your sections like is it really categorized as the same thing like would they notice it that way that's a good question that is a good question yeah, yeah it's too, i think i think they would still see it as like extreme i agree just because you're not just skating normally yeah. like you're actually doing something you're, you're this jumping involved maybe that's mm-hmm. why it would do that but it's kind of like i wouldn't even call it like a subcategory of what we do it's just it's its own thing mm-hmm. kind of right yeah and I, I guess the a big thing with the frames over time we my good friend colin brady um he was in vancouver he just moved to vancouver when i made the first wizard frames um and i pretty much said cool like now you're gonna be riding those he was, <laughs> he was younger so and he was into the whole big wheel thing as, as it was starting out and he's a tall lanky guy and he had really unique body movement because mm-hmm. it's funny aggressive skaters the ones that kind of stand out are usually like shorter guys right. a little more built um and i wonder like now in hindsight i'm wondering if it's because of the equipment that people that were taller and skinnier couldn't use the equipment or couldn't the equipment didn't allow their body to shine hmm. in a in a way. That's a good point. So, with the with the bigger wheels or with the wizard frames, my friend Colin was doing this weird kind of. He would land fakie, and he would like turn in a really kind of awkward way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't think much about it. Just I thought, okay, that's just the way he does it because he's so maybe like tall and that's that's how. That's just the way his, his body moves. Trick. Yeah. And then another friend of mine who was like a hockey player, actually we share like, he's a business partner, he does like roller hockey. Uh, his name is Sean, but he was saying, I think this is cool because he was starting to see, um, kind of seeing it from the side and seeing like all my aggressive friends and recreational friends and seeing Colin and kind of noticing like, this is really cool, like mm-hmm. what he's doing on, like, on, flat, on flat ground. And that was that slowly kind of developed into all right. How can I do this trick? Like, how can I copy you? And then how can we, like, what makes this trick look better? So we really tried to break it down hmm. and figure out how to do this move, which is taking the academic approach. That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's I, good to think things out. And I got I'm certified skate instructor through Skate IA that maybe some of you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of know their system of how. You would teach a trick. You would kind of break it into three stages. And mm. uh, so kind of using the same technique as like, okay, let's figure out how we can like teach people this move. And then this is called, we call it the gazelle. That's like a similar to what figure skaters would call a three turn. Mm-hmm. So you kind of go and you draw the number three. Um, but we called it the gazelle. And um, this slowly kind of opened up this, since this is a pre-recorded episode, hopefully we can get a clip <laughs> of the gazelle, gazelle in the show. That'd be yeah, cool. how to gazelle, how to gazelle. <laughs> yes. there, there are videos out there. <laughs> oh, <Yes. laughs> I think Torres told me one awesome. time how to gazelle. But yeah, this 
kind of open up this let's say once you discover a soul you realize well aggressive skating had a huge impact on me obviously mm -hmm. so knowing okay how like what works in aggressive how do they how are tricks named and how the tricks evolve over time realizing okay if you have a soul you're definitely gonna have an alley-oop soul and if you have right. a soul you're gonna have a switch soul mm. so we realized well if there's a gazelle how do you do the forward gazelle mm -hmm. like, how do you use the same principles and find that so that kind of slowly evolved into like a bunch of different moves that we can name mm -hmm. and creating a language which is kind of weird but it's been yeah. kind of building up over time wow it's really cool so there's a whole like over time i i was me and colin actually did like a little bit of traveling and teaching people and doing little workshops teaching people how to gazelle and the different techniques um so yeah now there's at least some things that people can learn and follow and hmm. figure out how to use their weight distribution and edges and you guys are creating a a new vocabulary and new language for a exactly. new thing. Exactly, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, that was one thing I wanted to ask you about too because even I ask like Torres when he does stuff or when I watch a video so I'm like, what do you call that? Like, what is that? And mm -hmm. it's like, I don't really know what you call it. This person just did it and like that's what it is for now because it's still so, like this t style of skating is so young that it's not really fully developed and mm -hmm. the names are one thing that it's like, what do you call that? What do you call this and that? Mm -hmm. And I guess you're still working on that for the most part. I think like a big part is finally finished like i kind of drew all the fundamentals the movements mean? yeah but yeah it, it's always open kind of for mm -hmm. um i think we we always can figure out like more ways to to do it but i guess the principles are having your wheels connected to the ground so what can you do without losing your energy like how can you use your edges to transfer energy and in, initially like generate speed without taking a stride just by hmm. kind of using your body carving and, and stuff yeah so it's a mix of i was really inspired by slalom skating and naomi um so again going back to naomi she wrote a book about slalom skating and she's also a skate ia instructor she's like a very inspiring instructor wow, and she, she wrote a book about slalom skating yeah <laughs> who's gonna do the first aggressive book <laughs> shout so, out brian Krenz. <laughs> But she basically created the slalom kind of language, uh, figuring out different pivot points. And that's how she's a world judge. So they created a whole system now where they have a proper way of judging people because you can kind of know which movement is more difficult than another. Wow, that's crazy. So that was inspiring. So it's like a mix of like influence from aggressive skating, knowing, you know, how tricks like I want, I want it to be to resemble aggressive skating mm -hmm. for the older generation. So having tricks, I think, is really important to be yeah. able to communicate. I don't, I don't want to push it in the direction of becoming a sport like slalom right. skating, or not get as carried away as maybe wouldn't say carried away, but, but as aggressive. Just went so deep into the trick world. Yeah, you just want to have have it there, but it not be completely defined yeah. by that. So I kind of seeing some of the flaws in aggressive where a newcomer will have a really difficult time to understand what's a like a just the naming of the tricks is really complex right and like there's no consistency sometimes because tricks came out so much later than others mm -hmm. like a full tour came you know like right. so much later than a royale for example right. or 
um, where I think for me, I had this like, oh, okay, that's what happened in aggressive. That's what happened in slalom. So like, let's make sure that the names make sense in some mm-hmm. way. Um, but it's still, maybe it only makes sense in my head, but no, I mean, you have to, you know, create that, you know, so the names of your tricks are just maneuvers so far. So the gazelles are basically like the two feet, one, one eighty turns essentially. Exactly. So you can do it from backwards to forwards, forwards to backwards. And it's when your feet don't leave the ground. Exactly. And you can do it like, that's what we figured out. You can do it. Let's say you can have your feet staggered this way. And you can do it this way, or you can have them staggered the same way, but do it this way. So which it's like is, inside or outside turn, right? Yeah. We called it open and closed. So okay. if you think of motions as like open motion would be like a sweat stance. Yeah, open. Mm-hmm. And then a closed motion would be like a negative mizu. Mm-hmm. You're, it's kind of like how your hips are yeah. in relationship mm-hmm. to like maybe the center of the circle. Mm-hmm. Um, or like a soul is a closed motion right so if you think of like an extended closed motion would be a crossover so when your legs are almost like uncrossing that's an open motion mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it's weird we trying not to like take terms from different industries so but at the same time not just invent a bunch of like shenanigans <laughs> <laughs> Wack, wacky stuff yeah <laughs> so we're trying to keep it like okay you have the name of the keep movement it, yeah. like the gazelle and then you can do a backwards gazelle or you can do a backwards like open gazelle or a backwards closed gazelle mm-hmm. yeah does your ninja so, kick have a name the no this never made it to what to the language that's my favorite one <laughs> i don't know if that counts as like because i guess you could technically do that on any kind of skates but, but it, it still should be named because of course I, yeah that's nothing when i when i was a kid i was getting super stoked and blading was like having fun making up names like mm-hmm. luke hang mm-hmm. you know and like yeah. world combat was still on like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> hang it was just cool like and then there was one i don't even know if it was a trick or if maybe it was just a thing in our crew so there used to be a kung lao yeah which was yeah. like i think that was in daily bread too from behind if I'm, if I'm wrong yeah and it's like oh man kicking things are cool like yeah. when you're a little kid you want to be a little ninja yeah and you have all these cool like little names so <laughs> i don't know maybe you should name that it's yeah cool. <laughs> I, can, I can completely see different categories of okay those are like flatland moves where you don't leave the ground and mm-hmm. you have like a bunch of tricks that kind of work for this and then kicks could probably have their whole their, their whole, own like, whole yeah yeah like 16 different kicks yeah. that you can mm-hmm. do um yeah but didn't get there yet so well it sounds like you're being like really thoughtful with everything and put a, and put a lot in which is which is good because you know it's better than just being like ah whatever name it this name it that like mm. you're putting your thought into it and 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 because of that i see it you know be, being like a more of a real thing because people like like you said, have a language and, mm-hmm. a, and a, ter- a way to communicate through the tricks. Yeah. And along the way, we had some silly names that Colin was like, no, this is... We still have trick gonna... a porn star. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> There's still fish for it, so... It's true. I feel like that happens in everything. Yeah. 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 So now you started transferring, like, your aggressive skating stuff knowledge and into, like, the wizard blading kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you jump back on small wheels again, you, like, you could transfer wizard blading stuff back onto that. Yeah, that's personally uh, my favorite like way of seeing all these things because I've seen other skaters do something similar, mm-hmm. and it's sort of that hybrid style of skating is what really catches my eye. I don't know for whatever reason, but it, like the the knowledge of just knowing it all, it, it mm-hmm. kind of helps both parties. Of course. And now yeah. that like when you go back, how does it change when you go back to skating like a smaller wheel setup? It's weird, but I I feel like I'm better than 
ever of course with, yeah. with aggressive yeah. which is i haven't like really tried to film anything or skate seriously mm-hmm. i heard you're still killing it though i <laughs> i have my good days yeah <laughs> my bad days. but it's definitely harder on the body like i feel mm-hmm. if i let's say in woodward i skated the mini the very very small mini for a couple hours and then like i was done like for yeah. a week after so well, how old are you by the way 36 36 okay um we're part of the i guess the idea of wizard skating i hope that's something i can develop push it in a way where people can do it when they're 60 mm-hmm. so I, at some point i saw the expiry date on aggressive skating mm-hmm. for myself and right. my friends around me mm-hmm. and just seeing them slowly maybe kind of leave the sport um kind of wanting to have something for them to kind of bring them back and i think yeah, with like a lot of help of mushroom blading and just influence all around. I think it, it is happening right now. I can see a that. Lot more people coming back without necessarily having to be like super great. and doing Without having things. to hit like 20 stair handrails and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, like to actually have fun skating. Yeah, <laughs> so kind of post-aggressive skating. So I'm, right. I'm kind of yeah. ba- banking on all those guys becoming old. And yeah. Even like... You know, a lot of my friends are doing aggressive skating now, but in five, ten years, they either going to quit skating or they're going to find something within skating that they can still get the same, Yeah. I don't know, the same kind of enjoyment of filming and getting productive and yeah. getting content, like me and Mike filming things. and. I feel that because, yeah, it, like, it is physically demanding. Mm-hmm. And like you said, I feel like that's, that transition is pretty true. A lot of people either go, go to quit or they, have, they, find, they try to find something else, some successfully, some unsuccessfully. But mm-hmm. that seems to be the wizard. That seems to be a good idea. Yeah, we just want to pick up. <laughs> yeah, pick up the slack. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and at the same time, yeah, having that like bring people from outside, maybe someone who gets a pair of wizard frames mm-hmm. can now go into a skate park. And I feel that he would be more successful in a skate park with a wizard kind of setup compared yeah. to an aggressive setup. Yeah, because he'd probably be uh, way more well-received by the other people at the skate park because it wouldn't be just so like, I know what that is. He'd be like, well, what's that? You mm-hmm. know, he'd be such a unique guy there. Yeah, and just having a little bit more speed and mm-hmm. oh, yeah. even dropping in on ramps, I think, aggressive skates, if you get like... a. Pr- the proper aggressive skate they're very unstable so mm-hmm. like just dropping into a quarter pipe would be could be like the ending trick for most <laughs> beginners right so having like a slightly longer base allowing them to drop in mm-hmm. getting a bit, oh, okay. a bit yeah. more confident like skating around the park okay like getting dyna- enough dynamic speed. wise oh, yeah. okay i get what you're saying yeah yeah i think stage one to get people into aggressive is kind of allowing them to experience transitions and like going up ramps and down ramps uh which could be really challenging with aggressive skates mm-hmm. surprisingly yeah no that makes sense it does yeah. we never thought of it because we're just used to it right i guess do you have like a like a the- like a type of theory or philosophy on skating now because your skating is is sort of like in like a hybrid stage kind of thing is there something that you try to tell people when they get into skating in general or anything like that um, or like what do you look for when you go out skating maybe i guess uh just consider like being realistic with what you like where are you gonna skate and yeah i don't know if i 
I guess the idea of you want to have a skate that you'll be able to skate more with, you'll be able to experience more surfaces. So experience more surfaces. I mean, let's say if my wheels are slightly larger, I would be able to skate cobblestone streets or something. Like exactly. That. So yeah. a lot of surfaces all of a sudden, oh, this is like a fun skate from here to, to there. Versus if I had a different setup, it might not be this. Yeah. So kind of, I guess first you got to make sure that your skates would be comfortable and easy to like enjoy, I don't know, more, more places, more surfaces, more, they're not as limiting you to, let's say a slalom skate would kind of put you in a, um, into like a slalom kind of setup. If you have an aggressive skate that would push you into the skate park and without realizing you slowly, you're not going to want to skate home from the skate park. Or mm -hmm. if you have mm -hmm. a hockey skate, you're not going to go cruising around because the boots are so rigid. Uh, if you have a speed skate, you're never going to think of going into a skate park. So I don't know. I, th I might be repeating the same stuff, but so you're, no, just, but, you're, you're, but, like, you're looking for like just versatility, kind of less limitations, more doing, kind of. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you like want to do it all. Freedom of feet. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do it all. Is it? Is there a reason that uh, wizard frames are made out of aluminum, not plastic? Yeah. Is that uh, part of the reason why they're so expensive? The that is, yeah, for sure. Um, but just when you're higher off the ground, um, the bigger the wheels, the stronger the the frame has to be because mm -hmm. there's a lot more forces uh, yeah. going into it gotcha so as like the frame gets lower that's where plastic yeah it needs to be stronger sense. but um and then what so what are the small wizard frames set up like what what wheel size is it so, i know you have different sizes now so now yeah we so we made the 90s that was like my first happy medium frame but as soon as i got it i realized that I'm usually skating size seven or eight boots and I realized, okay, if I'm enjoying this, what about a guy with a size 12 foot? So right away we made the hundreds and then for myself, it seemed huge. Like what the hell am I going to do with the hundreds? <laughs> and it's funny because even the early footage of us trying the hundreds looked so awkward, <laughs> but now when I skate the hundreds, they feel so short wow. because the way I move is different. Um, so we made, so slowly I got used to the hundreds and everyone got used to the hundreds. So we made three sizes, 90 hundreds and one tens with the one tens being for like, you know, guys, extra large guys. Yeah. Um, and with something like this, they're a lot of weight and like really big wheels. So that's where it really is noticeable, the metal or like the difference between the different frames. Mm -hmm. um, 90 is a small one now that you have? Yeah. So we started Still with those. Big. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but we realized, like, as soon as we made the 90s, the thing that everyone said, or all the aggressive skaters said, whoa, that feels like my 80s, just because they had this little rocker. And because they were designed for UFS, it was kind of optimized, like the 90s, that you can be the closest to the ground mm -hmm. and feel the most control. Yeah. So... um yeah, so f at the moment, we only have three frames available for sale, 90 hundreds or 110s. And over time, I guess a lot of the non-recreational guys, all the aggressive kind of my people, <laughs> slowly started uh, going from 90 to 100 and then from hundreds to 110, looking for the extra length. Because um, at, at first everyone says, oh, they're too long, I can't do crossovers and mm -hmm. all that. But... You uh, adapt. Once you realize, okay, 
it's like skiers imagine like cutting off their front and the back they won't be able to do half of the stuff they're right. doing so once you adapt to it and you realize the benefits of the length which is they feel super stable so you can go fast you're not gonna feel the bumps as much the wheel sticking out further in front of you would go over the bumps a lot smoother uh, which again all those recreational kind of needs yeah uh, but then you start realizing, well, I can generate a lot of speed with that extension of the toe or the heel. I can do like subtle movements and get that extra power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I noticed a trend that all aggress- all my friends were kind of going to bigger frames or longer frames. So the next logical thing was, well, do we make four 125s? Um, and at the same time, the three-wheel thing was going all yeah. crazy. And Damn, four one twenty fives would be huge. The three one twenty fives are crazy. Well, that's like the four one tens with like such a heavy metal frame started feeling quite heavy, mm-hmm. and it was stepping away from that recreational category. Right. Uh, but still, if you're a huge guy, it does work. Uh, but I saw a lot of aggressive skaters kind of going into the one tens, and even myself because I just wanted the more length. I was using one tens. And then realized, I guess, with the whole concept of three wheels was um, the wheels get bigger, so you can't fit as many, so they made the three wheels. So my logic was like, oh, that's like, we have to go the other direction, like the complete opposite of three wheels. Um, More wheels? In a way of like, yeah, making more wheels will allow you to bring you closer to the ground and give you more length. So instead of just going, so my options were, Either I space out the wheels a bit more, like make some prototypes to see how it would feel mm-hmm. to get to a desired length without increasing the wheel size or adding an extra wheel. So the five wheel made perfect sense because with the development of the skate language, um, it's really important where your weight is. So if you're doing like a backwards gazelle, you have to start from your toes. Mm-hmm because um, what makes those motions impressive or kind of magical because you don't really understand how yeah, they're yeah. done mm-hmm. but they're done because you have that extra length so you're going back and you have more weight on the toes and you're on one edge and then you're switching it to the opposite mm-hmm. edge to your heels so it's almost like the longer your frame the more impressive those movements are going to hmm. look if you do if you do the same movements with a short base it's just going to be like your body hmm. will be right here and your legs will spin. Right. It won't it's be as much coming with it. Like it's exactly yeah, get that. Um, and you can really see it in skiing, right? Mm-hmm. Like totally. Oh yeah. That carving mm-hmm. feel. Um, so w- with the, like the whole wizard language, it was really important to tell people in those like workshops that we were doing, you want your way to be on this wheel or on this wheel mm-hmm. and on the four wheels, you can only be on two wheels at a time so i didn't want people to be like all the way on the like third and fourth wheel Mm. so i was kind of saying try to be on your third wheel but you can't really be on a third wheel when you're rolling like you're always going to be either on three and four or Mm. three and two Mm -hmm. unless you're really good and you can (laughs) somehow um so the five wheels created another position so then you have like a specific spot where you can be when you're rolling forward you can be on wheel three and four and you're stable in that position and then you have an extended position like extra Mm. 
and when you're rolling backwards, you'll be on wheel two and three. So it kind of creates... With an extended position at one. Exactly. So mm. it kind of makes, like, the language actually makes sense with the five wheels yeah. in terms of how to communicate and how to say precisely where to put your weight. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where the five wheel idea came from. Mm. And the first five wheels we made uh, was... So that seemed like, okay, this is going to go into, like, just our own, not the recreational crowd. They're not going to need all this length because they're mm-hmm. already, like, maybe right. complaining about it. <laughs> so we made, um, in terms of length, the next r- rational or logical size was 90s. So we made 590s, which was just a little longer than the 4110s, mm-hmm. but was closer to the well, Did you have any of these here that you wanted to... It'd be, yeah, it's easier yeah, to explain? Can, uh, Mr. Torres. Mr. Torres. Maybe it's maybe, easier to maybe tell. Maybe the 72 tell. so they would fit in the, <laughs> in, in fit the, in the frame. frame. Right. Um, so, yeah, this is like the the latest experiment, which... Um, these are what? Like, these are not the, tremendous wheels. Those are 72s. 72s. So, this is like the latest experiment. Uh, when we first... So, like I said, first we made the one, the five... Uh, 90s and then we figured if we're making the 590s we're probably gonna like them so then the obvious choice would be to make it even longer so let's make 590s and 5100s and then and then yeah when that was like almost two years ago and then we we skated them it was kind of like a weird product because it was huge even for ourselves like they've been using wizards for so so long it was like a weird adjustment Mm um but we i guess our goal was let's let's try to film and see what we can do with them and it was started being really interesting in the skate park doing weird toe stalls and mm-hmm. random stuff like that so it's kind of going away from the recreational part so we released like big wheels five i don't know if many people saw it but it was like kind of an experimental video we jumped from big wheels two to big wheels five <laughs> five wheels <laughs> Oh, is that what happened? I was like, damn. Yeah, it kind of went <laughs> over most people. <laughs> but for us, it was like a fun little experiment. Yeah. And I guess the idea there was to see, okay, what can you do with the equipment? Like, what, how can this look like? And then after we made this, we filmed some stuff. We, me and Mike filmed the Church of Leon uh, last year, I think. And that was f- using the five one hundreds. So it was like those giant frames mm-hmm. and doing a lot of weird toe things that are very difficult to do without the, without such a long frame. Um, and then this year I decided. Oh, so I put those experiments aside, realizing that most people will break their knees and like if they <laughs> if they're gonna try to use like five yeah. one one hundreds. Um, but the concept still made a lot of sense. So. Then it, I figured, okay, why don't we go smaller with the five-wheel concept? And I guess just searching what what's almost going through all the different sizes that and lengths to play yeah. around with. Just testing a yeah. bunch of different You stuff. have a ton of different frames then. Yeah. Different so wheel configurations, different sizes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that we kind of got got to go through it, and then when we release it, then at least I can I feel confident that right. this would work for more people. Or if another company wants to come and do something similar, I I feel like I'm just I a few steps ahead. Yeah. 
What's light? I mean, it's lighter than I thought it would be. So the the frame that made the most sense in my mind after like the those huge five nineties and five hundreds was to make five eighties because the current most popular size is uh, four one hundreds. Mm-hmm. It's like a happy medium. Um, so the five eighties are technically exactly the same length, wheel mm-hmm. to wheel, and like how much they stick out in front and behind. So it it would be the same as the most popular size, but it would be closer to the ground. And because you have more wheel positions, it will be more maneuverable. Mm-hmm. Because you're yeah, you're always on two wheels at, at a time kind yeah. of thing. So from each transition, it's like a slight angle. It's like a 0.67 degrees like mm-hmm. tilt kind of thing. Um, so that rocker shit changes everything. Yeah, it does for sure. Especially once you kind of used to it yeah figure out the little nicks and knacks yeah you don't even feel the rocker just anything that's not rock yeah then that's so when you often. feel it yeah yeah so we yeah the, we made a 580s which was which works really well and we made 584s and i think the 580s is like a really nice happy medium right now mm-hmm. but we i had to make a smaller one just to see yeah what will happen yeah you gotta test it out so we made the 572s which i feel like they they no longer feel like wizards because they're a yeah. little too short. They're losing a mm. lot of the That's crazy. This, is, this is too short. <laughs> for for that kind of... Yeah. Uh, but that's cool that you're uh, you're testing everything and uh, trying to figure out what's best. Yeah. Do, do, you, uh, um, do you know anything about like... I mean, I don't know anything about it, but like how much the wheels themselves play? Like have you ever thought about manufacturing wheels that maybe aid in this kind of maneuverability? For sure, yeah. Um, the yeah the thing with wheels i always said that thought that would make sense to have our own wheels but i'm more with the idea that if someone does a good job with making wheels i'll let them continue doing right yeah so you could focus on this exactly yeah and i feel like undercover at the moment just yeah undercover seems yeah wheels so yeah i just really like their wheels good partnership yeah Mm -hmm. and they're open to like trying new things with the bigger wizard frames and Seems yeah, like they they made a pro wheel for mushroom blading, the hundred millimeter oh, wheels. Oh, that's so awesome! That was like a perfect storm. So it was like we had our like our size and we had our frames and mm. so the undercovers work really well and they're constantly improving their cores and yeah, it, I don't I don't see myself being able to catch up to anyone right. like that. But I I am trying to kind of make work with our them. wheels through them. Yeah, like have certain exclusive wheels. Um, so you haven't noticed like any sort of like wheel technology that would change this or anything like that? Like how you, you could have said the same thing that ground control makes a great frame. Why make another frame or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. but you still went and made this like there's nothing you could, that you notice in the wheels themselves that you could change. Um, I did think of like some ideas um, and I'm kind of glad I never went ahead with <laughs> any of this, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be... Nothing came as, to mind. It wasn't, like, significant enough. It was more of mm-hmm. a weird ego thing. Like, oh, I can make my own yeah. wheels. Like, yeah. who just cares? Why stop at frames? Yeah. But, yeah, I'm just... I'd rather invest the money into, like, making more prototype frames and make sure and the no, fact no that, one catches up with us. Yeah, and the fact that Undercover is so willing to, you know, accommodate mm-hmm. different sizes and different ideas is... Yeah, I can see that being... Just, focus on yours and have them there it's not it seems perfect mm-hmm. exactly 
Well, I gotta say, we I, I feel like we've dug in to the wizard skating yeah. thing really deep and mm-hmm. um, like got yep. a, got a good idea of everything out there. With, you know, a bunch of different wheel sizes and and things. So I think it would be good to go to some yeah, of our some viewer, viewer questions. questions because you know a lot of people were excited that you were on the show, Leon. Don't know if you know. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and this, yeah, this first question I have here is seems like an like a I guess. I put it in for a specific reason. Yeah, there's some that we've I, I've, I've read over that we might have addressed some of yeah, these. Yeah, we I think a lot of so them we have could been addressed. Just, this first the one has kind of been addressed, addressed too, but we could just touch it quick and then move to the next one. Yeah, I just wanted to put this in just to explain to people out there that that uh, that brown kid Yvonne says, "What's the difference with what, what's the difference with wizard skates, man? Like, <laughs> like you can do the same tricks on aggressive, you know, right?" So you know that, right? <laughs> you know that, right? I, apparently, yeah. I just found out. <laughs> no, but we kind of went over explaining why you can't do the same thing and what yeah, maybe not are. can't, but it's not, it's a different feeling. Exactly, yeah. And I definitely think that you can, but it's easier to learn all the techniques mm-hmm. with them. So with aggressive skates, it's more of a you got to know the trick first, and then you know how to compensate for. You got to be a really good skater to do it with equipment that's essentially making it harder on you to do those movements. Yeah, it's like trying to do grinds with... Yeah, exactly, like a, like trying a, to do grinds something with Something like wizards, that, yeah. yeah. And you... It's fucking fly. Um, you... So it opens... Uh, it, it mainly opens the door for other people. But I, I would refute this statement because I think that it, you, it makes aggressive very different. Like, in, like, how quick you can turn or how quick you mm-hmm. can stop or how it does open the door. Like, even, like, I noticed on, like... The second trick in the trailer that for your podcast, the Jump Street one, um, like you jump on a ledge and then right after you come off it, you turn super quick to get back on it. And mm. I, I think that those are the little, small, um, dynamic things mm-hmm. that can make a difference. So that's what, I, that's what I would say from not being you, being yeah. on the outside. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree, yeah. So you can, when you put like a, reg- if you put like a regular frame on, I guess a regular aggressive frame on, you could still gazelle and stuff. Yeah. Similar. And I, and I, for, for I wouldn't second, have as much whip though. Like, you know, like. Yeah. I'm sure the whipping is there, but you yeah. still know the movements and exactly. techniques and stuff. You know how to compensate essentially. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like same with an anti-rocker setup. How do people actually turn? Yeah. You know, like you can, there's they a don't. slight lift of wheel <laughs> or like slight disconnection. Do you put like, do you rock like a anti-rocker frame now and then just to be like, what? what a- actually. On? Because at first, when I started with the Wizards, I would constantly try to find that happy medium. Like, oh, I want a frame that can do aggressive and can do all this stuff. So mm-hmm. I would try to have like more flat setups with Rocker. Mm-hmm. But then the thing I enjoyed most is going to like skate shadows with, you know, create originals with no wheels in the center. Because mm-hmm. that's how I used to the skate. The complete opposite. Yeah, because yeah, then it's just like perfect. I'm not worried that they're going to get stuck <laughs> on anything. I can like steeze out all yeah. my tricks so you can still ride a freestyle frame no problem i never was never into a freestyle frame i enjoyed like space as, yeah i enjoyed yeah. the space like not having the wheels in the center kind of seemed like lighter and like a mook do you mean is that what no you mean? i would or? i would always like skate let's say creates but i wouldn't i would have it anti-rocker but it still has the groove in the center yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay or like use the blocks yeah, yeah i did use the blocks mm. before but yeah. So that's crazy. You used to ride freestyle. That was like your style of skating before you ventured into this yeah. realm. I w- not freestyle, but yeah, like not the freestyle oh, yeah, yeah. frame because yeah, I yeah. always feel like that. I, I mean, really I, I didn't anti anti yeah. 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 Well, no middle wheels. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is 
this so, so no, weird that's an opposite. You're saying you did have middle wheels. No, right? I, I think that's why I'm confused <laughs> that's about too. I, so, no, he, he, I think what he, I think what he's saying is that There's he no did middle have way. middle wheels in, but the space that he's talking about is the space of the H block that aggressive provides, right? No, you're talking no, no, I, nothing I would, in the two and three. Yeah, I would take the middle wheels. Oh, you take them out. So yeah. it is free. Okay, but it but still I guess you feels say, like a, a anti rocker setup. Okay, because compared to a freestyle setup, the freestyle setup has a deeper groove. I gotcha. So I still want to be able to. That's why I was confused. Okay, got it. I, yeah, because I, I, I would just call a freestyle yeah. frame anything without the wheels yeah. in the middle. But yeah. you call so it only like the Mook style is freestyle. Right? Yeah. yeah. Who else makes frames like that, though? That would be... I guess who else was making... Kaltik was making mm-hmm. freestyle frames. Oh, okay. Mook's... Create, uh, not create, uh, 5050 was making freestyle. Okay. So you were writing freestyle, but with we, regular We, we had them at Create, Create has the blocks. Yeah, but those aren't like freestyle yeah, the, frame. I mean, the I don't blocks. Know. I don't uh, know. That okay. was the perfect You know story. what I mean? <laughs> Just because they have this, the, the room Get for a second and third wheel, they're not called it. Okay. That's what, that's what the confusion was. Okay. <laughs> that's well, the next turn. question. Yeah, go on. It's from uh, Trash, Trash Sex. Ooh. Everything that we see you do most consider mind-blowing. What do you consider to be mind blowing, or kind of skating? What's your favorite? Uh, that really I like that question. Oh, nice! Blows your mind. Uh, Colin Martin at the moment. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's you know, yeah another level. Way at the out moment. of the box. Yeah. Yep. Um, my homie Danny Beer. Uh, oh, Danny Beer's killing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who else? I'm sure yeah. Nemo probably. Nemo for Nemo. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you figured out. Yeah, my, Danny, <laughs> figure out my taste. Yeah, um, but yeah, so many skaters. It's it's cool. I do see a lot of. I don't know if it's like how like the the crossover, but like the Bobby Spesov guy from Israel and mm-hmm. just Mike Torres. Like even when he skates aggressive, is seems like one of like more enjoyable for me because like I can see the the technical wizard stuff in mm-hmm. the skating plus traditional aggressive so yes the blend yeah i so personally like really that too the 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 mix of both the worlds. blend yeah just refreshing like something spice it up yeah mm. yeah it's cool, I don't, know if cool. It's, I don't know if it's just something i can relate to more but i like that i like seeing that uh, bring those elements into aggressive skating right mm-hmm. i do like that mm-hmm. yeah for a second going back to the question of like the difference between the two at some point i thought of the wizard frames as almost training frames because mm-hmm. i noticed a lot of the guys like Grant, for example, he got into the Wizards. Uh, Grant Hazelton, who mm-hmm. skates for Rosas now, or Stu, Stu Brady, like he was on Wizards, and I kind of saw those guys go back into aggressive and skate better than ever. So it kind of felt like maybe it's like a good training tool for aggressive skaters, because yeah. mm. it does develop. It's like if you skate a mini ramp and you never skated the mini ramp, you'll be a better mm-hmm. street skater mm-hmm. for sure. I don't know. So yeah. it makes perfect cool. sense that way. Well, just you know, I've noticed that as well with people who ride the the frames too. Number one rule in life: don't knock it till you tried it. <laughs> yeah, pretty Number much. One. Have you ever tried the wizard frames, Fish? <laughs> yeah, I haven't. No, I don't think I have either. Have I ever tried to skate stores? I don't know. I, don't I, I, so. I I've tried something uh, similar. Like Kyle Sola used to have a pair. Like they were like two thousand dollar five wheel speed skates or something like that. Mm. That were just really low cuff, amazing and. Mm. Yeah, I've I've tried those and they're they're like, if they didn't have wheels or anything, they'd be like really nice shoes. They were like mm-hmm. leather and I was, right, right. Yeah, so they're just like super expensive, high end. Uh, I think it's rollerblade. I could be wrong. Speed skates, but yeah, those things are awesome. Mm-hmm. They just move. I was like going down. I got from like like Union Square to like Thirty Fourth and Park Avenue in like five minutes. Like, mm. pff, 
but um i've never been impressed with that for some reason like riding i tried like the have you the, tried the it big three-wheel joints not like that not like mm. a five-wheel speed i, I, I don't, don't like saying, i'm like, not big on the three-wheel but but the, but the speeds it just yeah it's, it's not my like what i've grown to like i've never owned a pair so i haven't got to experiment that far into mm. it but like just trying like oh this is cool this is interesting yeah i wish i had a pair but i don't have an extra two thousand dollars laying around <laughs> right, to right. go get a pair with but i seen like a lot of those skates not the speed ones in general but yeah. like rec and rec blading but this like, is accessible yeah okay. yeah but like rec blading was you would say like as a means of transportation i guess or exercise something right. like that i have like almost no interest in using skates for transportation skating like mm-hmm. miles throughout the city or whatever mm. it is like that that aspect of it never yeah like when people are like, oh, but you could skate around in these. Well, if you live if you live like twenty third and Park, it might be different. Yeah, Maybe. you know, you might be like, oh, I gotta, yeah. you know, I gotta get to the west side real yeah. quick. I like just hopping on my bike though. And well, there you go. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, everyone feels like a different thing to different it. Different strokes for different yeah. folks, right? This isn't like that. I'm just saying that yeah. that people have tried to like sell that to me too with certain frames, yeah. and I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't. That part doesn't right. interest me. So, well, are, is nobody else making a frame like this? Yeah, like with rockering and stuff like that. Um, Is no one else doing so that? The first ones were K two. They made the R one hundred. Okay, and uh, so it's similar, but they they're rockerable, so you can have them flat or you can have them rockered, and you can mm-hmm. have them either kind of. K two has those six positions. Yeah, where you yeah, can yeah. Play around with how you rocker them. They only made an 100 millimeter size, which is our happy medium, so it kind of makes sense. Is that an aggressive frame or no? No. That's not the one with an H block? No. Okay. Yeah, so it's just four 100s close together, same as the Wizards. Okay. Uh, so that was the first one. It's a lot cheaper, like lighter and... Is it plastic or no? No, it's metal. metal? Okay. But um, they mass produced it, so it turned out a little cheaper. Is this a solid block? Uh, so is that a solid this, block? This one, so yeah, people always ask, but so when we were making a lot of our first prototypes, we would make it from a solid block, but over time we did make an extrusion, which is okay because that would be expensive, right? All the time to make it out of that. Um, but even with the extrusion, like, yes, it it brings the price of material down because then you get, I don't know, 2,000 pounds of metal exactly, yeah, cut into like this channel, yeah, it's not a waste of material, exactly. Um, and uh but it's we still produce them in small batches so like the price per unit like for the kind of material went down but then we're still kind of making them in pretty small runs so Mm. it still costs quite a bit are they selling pretty good it seems like um better than i expected to be honest but not like they're really expensive so Mm. i think at the moment they can even if they were cheaper, I don't think they would sell more. And just kind of the people that want them will sooner or later get it or try mm-hmm. to get something similar to it, like the K2 frames. Well, where, 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 where can you get them? Because uh, I, I found as an older guy in skate, and it's like, oh, well, I don't even know where mm-hmm. to get a lot of the stuff. So we're, we're just starting to kind of figure our stuff out. We're pretty slow. Um, but I'm kind of looking at it as a long-term thing. Right. I don't well, want to make like mistakes. You're not in a rush, exactly, because yeah. you want to get it right. So Shop Task sells it, obviously. Uh, Thorough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thorough sells them. Uh, Loco Skates uh, just getting their first shipment nice. now. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Um, from stores, I think that's it. We sell them through Mushroom Blading as well mm-hmm. um, and Wizard Skating. So we started as like, it's not just from us, and like I kind of... Like, 
I don't want to go to stores and try to sell them on, yeah, maybe, on those products. Maybe we'll get them on the Jump Street store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Along like, with the shirts, the five panel hats, some wizard frames, and yeah. like, little mugs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm kind of open for whoever, like okay. for stores selling hmm. it. I think it's great. Um, and I'm just like really anal about like making sure that the price is high. Like n I don't want like, I don't want people like starting to play around with prices and like of course and part of the design like why the frame is expensive because the store has a lot of markup so like the mm -hmm. stores that buy it um have a really good profit on them yeah and as a store owner that was a principle that i of course wanted to make sure that's like with intuition you're not liners. undercutting the stores exactly that's that's number one we I, I, we had that same <coughs> issue with, with with create we were like some people would try to sell the frames like five dollars less than other yeah. stores and we're like no you have to sell it yeah. at this price or else we're kind of screwing over other people that we're dealing with so exactly yeah so i'm kind of like anyone who's trying i'm gonna try to do like price joke kind of right sell it i just wouldn't sell it of them. course mm -hmm. like well that's it's that's respecting your other uh mm -hmm. clients yeah so yeah so yeah and if i was to lower the price then the stores would have no markup in the frames they would have no yeah th th that, that, that's, that's the incentive that th yeah. that they actually get to make a profit on them and mm -hmm. that's how everyone gets happy so yeah i mean i'm i'm totally gonna get a pair of them because i want to try them out yeah they look sick do you everything you make is like high end you're, you're proud of that yeah well i just feel like i can't compete with again the same thing i can't compete mm -hmm. with like right. a company that has endless resources yeah to make like a cheap product if you just have to do volume mm -hmm. so i'm just okay i'll only make high-end high stuff market, that's yeah, true makes yeah. sense. that's cool i like that too well you know it's quality though mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. and it's you make Bo it in boutique smaller frames rounds. yeah exactly yeah. boutique frames mm -hmm. cool. yeah. well that, that's that's how you get to do it because like you said you can't compete with like the bigger companies because yeah. they, they can put out way more at a, at a like cheaper rate so the only way you can compete is making that niche boutique yeah. product Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. And it also, like, we're still in, like, an experimental stage. So when we get the frames done, I take them to Canada. I get, like, a, a place that does the finish on the metal and then anodizing in Canada. Oh, so damn. I, so so they don't just come out like this. Yeah, yeah. So that's not a finished product. I never have finished products on that kind of <laughs> Me and Mike were joking about it. It's like, one day it would be cool to make an edit with like, <laughs> a frame that's actually available yeah. <laughs> for sale. <laughs> to have a finished product. Yeah. That's awesome. But I, those, those processes are really important for me because obviously our cost will over time go down. Mm -hmm. But I like having the price high. So that gives me space to, oh, cool. We can use more expensive yeah. bolts now. We can pay an extra $10 for like bead blasted finish yeah the frame. to do it right yeah so to make something i've always said this about because <clears> like <throat> I've, i buy by like uh 20 to 30 phone charges a year because they just <laughs> they're made yeah. to break mm -hmm. you know and i was like i would happily buy one for like 200 bucks if it just yeah. never broke yeah. you know but you buy like these 10 I, like I learned that a lot too you, you buy these 10 dollar ones and they, and they they make them to break and yeah. they make them to not last i've learned like, that a lot too in my adult years like i'll spend extra money now yeah. for quality products sometimes it doesn't matter but like a lot of the times it does yeah mm -hmm. even like my shoes like i've noticed that now like i'll spend extra money on a good pair of sneakers if they're super comfortable and stuff and like these might last you forever yeah <laughs> like <laughs> straight look up at, look at yeah. these like this this might be a one-time purchase yeah for real like that'll last You're, you forever what it'll take a lot to probably to, to ruin these yeah i'm sure someone could do it there's a lot of people that i'm sure out there up for the <laughs> challenge but yeah we're, we're still there was i think one guy that bent the frames 
but I, how? I, yeah, I, how? Did he, yeah, I'm not get sure. hit by a train or? Yeah. I know, like I've seen people like grinding on them. And, okay, so hmm. we were always kind of joking. There's, Whoever yeah. breaks it can get a, a free one because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah, yeah, that's sick. I would be impressed. Yeah, yeah, I would be really impressed too. Um, next question. We're gonna skip the third one here because we kind of talked about that already. Okay. Uh, materialism included asks. What was one of the most interesting things that came out of meeting Slomo? Did you have any? Did he have any insights to share with you that you're still thinking about? Did you actually have? Like, I saw that recently too. That you, it was like a picture of you in Slomo. Yeah, I didn't even know you yeah. met Slomo. Yeah, that was. Did you like hang out with him or like talk with him or whatever? Or was just like, hey, let me take your picture and bounce. So that was like I did talk about the whole experience uh, right after with Todd on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but the short story me and brian long were in la where seba was moving their warehouse from seattle to la so we came to help and that was around the same time as powwow and brian was flying back and i drove there from vancouver so i had my car and powwow was happening kind of like next week and i was like well i think i might as well just go to powwow and kind of drive across the country and then come back um and I had a couple of days to spend, like when I was around LA. So I was like, well, I'll go along the beach and like try to go to like San Diego and yeah, just hang out. Not like no plan specifically. And then I got to San Diego, which was kind of the furthest point. And just walking on the beach, it was like really busy on the sidewalk. And then I see slow mo skating by, <laughs> and I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and that was like shortly after he made the podcast with Mushroom Blading. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, this guy is so interesting. Yeah. I want to, I have to talk to him. I felt like, you know, it's meant to be. So I was like, hey, slow mo, slow mo. <laughs> and trying to explain, I'm friends with Todd. He did a podcast with you. And he was like, okay, you want to take a picture with me? Or? <laughs> <laughs> he's just so famous now. He's yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah it's going to be yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what I realized right away. I was like, no, I, I want to skate with you. I need to talk to you. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. We're going to be friends. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. I'm not a fan. We're friends. <laughs> so he was like, okay. Like, I'm like, I have my skates in the car. But, like, can I meet you here? He's like, okay, I'll meet you here. Um, we ended up, like, he's saying, like, okay, at sunset, I'll go for another skate. Meet me here kind of thing. Oh, shit. So I was like, oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Like, no time, nothing like this guy. So, <laughs> so you go on his schedule. Yeah, I was like, okay, sunset right here. So I got everything ready. Um, anyway, and then we went on a skate. He showed up. He didn't stand yeah, he, sh- okay, he showed cool. up. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bit of a story before that because it's like, okay, I'll, I'll catch you on my way back. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then I waited there for like an hour and a half. Like, okay. Didn't want to leave because I was like, okay. Slow-mo I, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then I ended up like not meeting him and I walked further went, had to go to the washroom I was like okay I, mm-hmm. I might miss him but mm-hmm. I gotta pee yeah <laughs> so ended up meeting him and that's when he told me to meet him at sunset right so then for sunset we went on a skate maybe like I don't know like along the path it was really nice and that's when he started kind of sharing a little bit more of uh, kind of how to skate which is really how weird how to skate <laughs> okay yeah so we would like start skating and he's just explaining how he would skate in slow motion and like just the movement in slow motion um he has like this whole philosophy of when he skates because he was a a brain surgeon Mm -hmm. uh so he kind of understands how things work so he said try to like look at look at it through your left eye when you're skating and all this like weird kind of stuff what do you mean like 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 
close your right eye and, and do no, it? Or like, but like, like when you're looking, try to like look through your left eye because that connects to the part of your brain that's more creative and things like that. Hell? So I was like, kind of wow, interesting. Wow, that is like, interesting. You want to basically kind of... His idea is if you're moving in a... It doesn't have to be fast or slow, but if you're moving in a consistent pace... Um, that kind of movement with some sort of like relationship to gravity or whatnot and being like upright gives you like kind of gets you in this like euphoric feeling or yeah he's saying like you see like those people on the bikes or those people on the skateboards like you know what they're hooked on it's like they're hooked on that feeling of like that movement yeah and that's like people don't realize it but when they're like driving a car or something just being in kind of consistent acceleration or mm-hmm. can't remember the exact terminology but i guess he gets in like an amazing zone when he skates and he skates in like this mm-hmm. flow and yeah very completely disconnects from you know your regular problems and the wow so yeah he's quite a hip hippie so <laughs> i definitely try to do more of that and then i didn't used to listen to music before meeting him so or i didn't listen to music and skate yeah of course so he kind of said like oh you got to listen to music and not just like any songs it's got to be this type of music Mm -hmm. and like instrumental and like really and kind of think about it this way so i started experimenting a lot when i got back home was now i'm a little more normal yeah (laughs) but still that's that's really cool why does it have to be an instrumental not with lyrics i could see being less guided by like someone's I would guess, right, that it would be like someone like putting words in kind of defines the thing and maybe it's more broad mm, otherwise. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You write your own lyrics in your head. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's some stuff I find where it's like not, sometimes when I hear vocals, I'm just like, I don't want to hear someone telling me their thoughts. I just want to hear mm. the damn music. Mm. Like, I don't know. I could be wrong though. And I can't remember if it was just instrumental or what, but um, yeah, he had like some really interesting ideas and I I started asking him more questions about yeah, just all different kinds of stuff, and then um, let him try the wizard frames because I was kind of on the mission wizard right. frames were oh, pretty really? yeah. at the time. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna get slow mo and yeah. wizard frames. That's perfect, <laughs> perfect team rider. But uh, so he tried them and he liked them, and then which didn't make sense because they were like a little heavier. They weren't really designed for what he's doing because mm-hmm. he's trying to stay in a straight line. Right. right? Um, but then after, uh, he had my contact. So like he, ex- we exchanged some emails. He got wizard frames and he ordered the UFS boot no way, from really? aggressive mole. What? And then he ordered like M12s. And then, what? <laughs> what? I didn't know any of that. I didn't either. And then, so we actually kept in touch and like, we had why did he get M12? Like, why did he get aggressive skates? I think he just wanted like to try UFS? something quickly because okay. he, he tried mine and then. Um, I was like, oh, I like it. I even have some footage on the phone of him. Like, wow, that's it. crazy. Uh, but he's a super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Just this, and then it's a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like we kept in touch, and we had like a few Skype calls after. I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I was kind of in the zone of like trying to like make products and find like get his input of like how can a product be. Mm-hmm. I felt like he was maybe this like interesting missing part of the puzzle to how to communicate skating to the general public right um but yeah he he i ended up sending him a wizard setup 
and then he tried it. He said that it was too heavy, <laughs> and it felt like it was difficult to stop, um, which is true. Like, yeah, because you're wiggling I, around, I guess, or well, I guess you're moving with like a little bit more speed. You just have to learn how to st- yeah. stop. Yeah. Like, yeah, on his K2s, he had the the brake on the back. I mm. think he did. Anyway, but he didn't like how wobbly maybe it felt going like trying to balance on one foot yeah no, it would make perfect while. sense i'm sure your legs would get tired having your leg in the air <laughs> with a heavy skate yeah, yeah. So I, I never felt like they would be for him but i was just kind of he's trying. such a big yeah. person in that com- community that yeah but i tried to pick his brain on like oh i think i can do this with wheels or this with that and it's like forget about this stuff mm, <laughs> yeah like, yeah so that's like that he ordered that cool. skates from I know. like aggressive mall and that like, is sick and then he didn't have anything to do with the skates. So it's like when he he ended up sending the wizards back. Oh really? Um, uh, but then when he sent it back, he also sent me the M12s. So it's like <laughs> I'll just keep those. And, uh, <laughs> wow. But yeah, well, that's a cool little story. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that. That's cool that he took a little dip in the aggressive world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At his old age, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got just a few more questions. Yep. Let me see. Did we go through this one? No, Vineyard says, what should all rollerbladers be practicing, in your opinion, to be able to have longevity in the sport? Um, well, outside of skating, they can, anything that keeps their body moving, maybe mm-hmm. anything that doesn't impact your body too much. So you just want to work your body to a level where you're not hurting it. Mm-hmm. So I think yoga or swimming or... Walking. Swimming, uh, yeah. swimming's big. If you get a pool or something, I need to find a pool. <laughs> yeah, myself, I'm. I can do a better job, and I to stay fit or stay healthy. But I try to do yoga as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, summertime, I'm just too busy, so I don't do it. But wintertime, I try to do it twice a week. Um, yeah, and that's you don't really see immediate results but i think it's a good practice to complement skating because it's very low impact so yeah for mm-hmm. for skating especially aggressive skating you want to complement it with low impact mm-hmm. anything yeah just being active but in skating yeah i don't maybe using more bigger wheels to commute and things like this does build your muscles mm-hmm. and makes you stronger. less impact as well yeah um, eating healthy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not the expert in, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I always say it too. Like you, like the key to the key to being able to be older and skate still is to be active, and it doesn't necessarily mean skating. You know, every day because it's hard to do that. But mm-hmm. like when I can, I ride my bike a couple times a week, keep like my legs moving. You know, whatever this and that, stretch mm-hmm. a lot um skating obviously more often helps you because your body gets used to it more a lot of people don't realize that when they start skating again when they're older their body hurts more and yeah you're getting older but it it comes down to you skate once every other week once Mm -hmm. every three weeks so your body's just getting hit that much harder yeah when you skate numerous times a week your body adapts to it that's why another reason why when you're younger you can skate every day and you're fine Mm -hmm. you know and that's like kind of like probably what i said when i skated after woodward i felt like amazing because Mm -hmm my body was kind of in that getting used to it phase. So, you know, the impacts didn't really hurt my body as much, I guess you could say. But just staying active anyway. Yeah, Mm -hmm. keep moving. Keep moving, moving, don't stop. Your body will start to um, 
petrified. Yeah, when you're working 40 hours a week and you're sitting in a chair all day, then Mm -hmm. you go bust your ass and go crazy on the weekend. Of course, your body's going to hurt. But if you're moving, you're you're running around, you're whatever it may be, riding a bike, this and that, like your muscles have to stay moving. Don't shock your muscles, you know? Don't go from a place where you're just sitting around all the time to go nuts. Yeah. You know, ease back in, keep moving, keep limber. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I always hate when people complain like, oh, I can't do it. My body hurts. But... It's not your body. It's the way you're treating your body. True. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, you're yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, thank you, Vineyard, for the question. That's a good one. Yeah. We got a question from Dominic Bruce. I don't know if you saw our, oh, yeah. our episode yeah. with Dominic Bruce, but it Dominic was... Dominic Bruce, as seen on Jump Street Podcast. Yeah. As she, yeah. <laughs> episode nine. That's what he's known as now. Yeah. <laughs> you know Dominic from Jump Street, episode nine? <laughs> I actually met him in... Uh, maybe six years ago in uh, Winter Clash, he was okay. He was such a little kid. And yeah, then I saw him in Woodward, this giant, massive. Yeah, I keep, yeah, I keep seeing him like because a lot of the stuff from him is from years ago yeah. when he yeah. was younger, and mm-hmm. it's, it's funny seeing him like that because he's the same person, just smaller. Right, yeah. same face and everything, same energy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but, but so intelligent, it's so really intelligent, amazing, very thoughtful young yeah. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says. Uh, can Leon center upon some of the central values that keep him investing his time and life upon blading? Hmm. If skating was a lesson, what would it teach? Because hmm. you seem to be committed hmm. to, uh, you know, owning a bunch of shops, making yeah. frames. I think I've gone too far to, to change. To turn the, back. To, yeah, at hmm. this point. And I always look at um, kind of where is my time most useful for, you know, for the people around me. Mm. and if i wasn't doing skating i don't know if like again like i wouldn't be great at other things like i put so much time and mm-hmm. yeah i don't know what else i would really do honestly, so I honestly like I'm most productive staying where i am and just keep going i, I don't mean to cut you off but uh lemmy uh from motorhead has like a similar he was like, yeah, I, I wouldn't know what else to do. It's not like I'm qualified mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be an electrician. I've spent so much time trying to do music that I'm stuck in yeah. this thing. So that's a very honest uh, answer I think you've given. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, trying to be honest yeah. <laughs> as much as I can. Um, but yeah, what maybe patience is something I learned from skating, even with like the whole wizard thing. Like people always pushing me like, you got to have a website, you got to have a logo, you got to have this. And then, I don't know, just if it doesn't feel right, don't rush. Mm -hmm. Like it's better to do it right than do it on somebody else's schedule. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for the longevity and like looking at the bigger picture of, I don't want it to be a project that fails a few years down the line. And I want it to be something that's with me for forever kind of thing and mm-hmm. always keep developing it and i don't know that get, gives me satisfaction of like oh maybe like this and this can work together and boom and it works yeah maybe slightly not trying new things but improving old things mm-hmm. and giving it time enough time to test it and letting the right people kind of come to you in a way mm-hmm. yeah maybe so, building a good community yeah. around you yeah, you're um, just overall, you're you are if you are someone who's going to be invested, like I'm glad it is someone like you mm, who seems to you. be doing it, pushing in the right direction. You're not like a huge, big, you know, you don't, you don't have a big company behind you or anything like that. It's just you and mm-hmm. a concern for quality. Yeah, is you're obviously a, one of like the most important things to you when it comes to making your products. Yeah, 
yeah for sure but it's it's also like a fine balance between yes you can make the product better but i don't know is that necessary or like what is the consumer gonna need more than what my idea of it so i don't know if that makes sense like <laughs> um there is a limit like you can make the frame stronger but no one is gonna like really there's no need for that yeah, yeah. so i do kind of stop like where i look maybe at adapt as like a company that would make products better than mine potentially would mm -hmm. put more work and more effort into like the craftsmanship and right things like this where for me it's maybe more of like function. a function mm -hmm. and the end user like the user experience totally. is like what i'm really focused on um function yeah. over fashion for you yeah mm -hmm. that matters too and it's you're like it's relatable too because you're just like any one of us you know just like regular skates like how john starts like them skates whatever like everyone supports him because he's just a fellow blader you know exactly and you know what people want and it's great that you have the shop that you could get direct feedback from people which is how you develop this mm -hmm. um and you know familiarize yourself with, with intuitions for the mm -hmm. liners and stuff like that and i love that like i said everything's high quality like it's top notch like the liners the frames they are premium products that come at a premium price, but you know, you get what you pay for mm -hmm. and the longevity. And like, I have my, like these, like you said, these frames will last forever. I have my intuition line. It's like three years now and I'm still rocking them. Nice. They're torn to bits, but I still rock them. You know, they're the only, only liners that could work in my them skates without me getting like blisters and right. stuff. Nice. So I'm still rocking them. And we, like, we just, it's good they to see last. more products like that. Yeah. You know? it's, when, good, it's good to have that range. Yeah. I hate like something simple, like putting on like a shitty quality t-shirt or like, wheels that you put on were like a, a, a week later they're chunked and stuff mm -hmm. like that you know like i'm over that stuff i think yeah. I was, as as adults we're all over that stuff you mm -hmm. know so I we need we need just, longevity yeah as in general as society everyone is looking for those products right yeah like maybe at first when everything went to china and everyone is making cheap products it was the easy to kind of bring the consumer hey look we have the same it's thing cheaper. but it's half the price course, yeah but now, maybe 10, 15 years. You're starting later, to realize the, yeah. the, the impact. The impact. No, you are because th there are certain. Um, <clears throat> I've, I've, I've certainly skated certain skates that have fallen apart yeah. super fast. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to say names, but <laughs> it's true. I didn't it's, want to say names either when I was talking about stuff. Yeah. So that's important. That's is there uh, anything else that you wanted to touch on, Leon, before we wrap up here? No, it was all, yeah. I Honestly, going into it, I had no idea what we we're going to talk about because <laughs> you guys are not big wheel guys. So. Right. Well, that's why it was it such was a good thing to have you on, too, because you've been on other podcasts before, like Mushroom Blading and stuff like mm -hmm. that, but it's like a bunch of big wheel people talking about big wheels. Yeah, exactly. Now it's like kind of different. Not that we're against it or anything like that. We just mm -hmm. don't particularly do that. So but it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm probably going to, I'm going to try some wizard frames, but I'm probably, you know, I, like I'm not going to be backsliding in them like Richie <laughs> Eisler or anything <laughs> like that. But like, I, I definitely am certainly interested to try it. And I think that, I think that everyone should, especially when you're getting a little bit older, you know, like, uh, just why not? Yeah. Right. Definitely. But yeah, I'm, I was also, I was actually pretty excited to have you on too because i was like oh there's so much that i don't know about hmm. what you're doing so i was happy same thing that we got yeah to same thing with me too like i, I met brain. you before but i never like we never hung out or had like discussions or anything like that and uh i was just interested really interested on like your aspects on different things in skating mm -hmm. along with like the frames themselves but like the way you skate the way you do 
and your skating is very different very unique like i urge anybody who hasn't like checked out any of your sections to really look into it because i wasn't too familiar with the skating i knew kind of like i seen like wizard of wall street and stuff like that but when i really dug into like whatever you have online like your your full sections and it was really really interesting and mm. completely changed Thank my you. look on skating in, in a really good way it just it opens up your mind to a different thing and it wasn't as abstract as i thought it was going to be mm. it was very relatable because like i said you kind of you are kind of doing like a hybrid thing so you're taking the aggressive aspects but you're taking the putting the big wheels on them and it's just a whole different game pretty much thank you that's awesome yeah yeah wizard of wall street is awesome too yeah really it's, good. it's, a, re it's a really cool take and uh, i'm going to be sure to check out big wheels five yeah <laughs> and also maybe i'm gonna look for three and four too no the, do, no, do, no, do, no <laughs> that's when he gets the three wheels you got to do the yeah, go yeah. back to three back it'll to be three. one two five it'll be three. like star wars how they're all and out of order another four <laughs> <laughs> all right so everyone check out leon section big wheels three and four yeah and it's and, really good yeah and everyone again you know we got to end the, the show with please follow us yes. on all of our platforms you know what they are by now Go on there. Give us a... Add Jump Street Podcast, all the things. Everything. Subscribe. Liam, YouTube. we're looking forward to what you're working on with Torres while you're here. Awesome. And thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you Thank you for so making time for, for us. We really appreciate it. And keep doing the podcast. It's thank awesome. Thank you very much. I love it. Thank you. Working thank on you it. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. All right, now us. we have outro music. Play the outro music. <laughs> we'll see you all next right. week. <laughs>